do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCube Gearless. This show is a journey into the inner recesses. I used to love recess. Uh, of my mind. Yes. I pour forth all the media I have consumed. Because if it just sits in that dusty attic of my mind palace... It gets dusty, and you don't want a dusty palace. That's ridiculous. God. So this podcast is like the maid in the, the, the sort of classic French maid uniform, depending on how good the episode is. Sometimes it's just a, a dude with a hose. Let's be honest, right? So let's get this baby cleaned out by pushing a button that will start a series of five five-minute timers. Before I do that, I should warn... That the possibility exists, you may not have uh, consumed some of this media yourself, so I could spoil it for you, and I don't want to do that. No part of me does. Maybe one part of me. My pinky toe. On my left foot. Yeah, the evil foot. Mmm. Goddamn fire. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rough you some things. Monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is The Lodger. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Today's movie monologue sponsor... That's me recording, rewinding. Okay, let's take that from the top. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Dirty Rotten Waste Disposal. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, The Lodgers, which is what I accidentally almost said the sponsor was. That would be silly to have... The, the, the uh, one of the movies sponsor the segment? How would we get an unbiased opinion, you might ask? Well, I cannot be bought. I can actually, uh, if the money's right. So, you know, movies, just keep that in mind. Uh, 1920, rural England, Anglo-Irish twins, Rachel and Edward. Okay, yeah. I will admit, I didn't watch this movie this weekend, but last weekend, so that sort of jogged my memory a little bit. This is sort of your... And why is this so popular, this genre lately, of horror movies that are period pieces? I, I don't need both. Period pieces, fine. Horror movies, great. Why do they seemingly pop up so much lately? Um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're weird <laughs> and sometimes they're bad this uh, is in the weird category for sure um one thing it does well is 
you kind of it, it takes a while for you to quote unquote know because I'm not sure if you ever do what the evil within this uh, this old house is. Oh. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do give it marks for that. There, there is a moment of, oh shit, <clears throat> that sort of thing. You, you might not burp at the end like I just did, but you know, it's there, it's there. So, uh, with all that said, rating wise, I think I'd go just under a three. And if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, three is for enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Um... So, you know, I did have moments of enjoyment. Uh, the odds of me watching this ever again are zilch, though. So, you know, there's that. Okay, moving on from 2018, A Simple Favor. Stephanie is a single mother with a parenting vlog who befriends Emily, a secretive upper-class woman who has a child at the same elementary school. When Emily goes missing, Stephanie takes it upon herself to investigate, starring... Anna Kendrick and what's the uh, Blake Lively? Blake Lively plays Emily. Huh, well, there you go. Uh, okay, so sort of a murder mystery a little bit with uh, dollops of comedy. Um, one thing that happens throughout is uh, Anna Kendrick's character, uh, similar, right? Not not dissimilar to the Lodgers in that there's moments where you're not a hundred percent sure. Uh, if she is evil or not. <laughs> like, uh, she, she definitely starts off all uh, sort of goody-goody, but then there's like a, a, a hidden darkness, perhaps, underneath. And uh, as the movie progresses, that darkness comes to the forefront more and more to the d degree where you're like, shit, is this, is, this, is this girl, like, really evil and stuff? Um, I will leave it up to you to decide whether she is or not. Rating-wise, uh, I like this more than Lodgers. I will definitely say that. So for that reason, I think I'm going to go a solid four. Yeah, a solid four. It was good. Um, yeah, there you go. Movie the third, The Hustle. Do The Hustle. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson star as female scam artists. One low rent, the other high class, who team up to take down the men who have wronged them. Well, that last, <clears throat> excuse me, that last, take down the men who have wronged them. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember that ever happening. Like, the, they target men, but it's not specifically the men who have wronged them, unless all men on the planet have wronged them, and they're just doing a sort of collective men conning, perhaps. Okay, so first and foremost, if that... Uh, description of that movie sounds familiar it's because it's identical to the, uh, uh, the the scenario that happens in the movie dirty rotten scoundrels yeah identical with the exception of it's men instead of women or strike that reverse it it's women instead of men um i didn't know that going in because i, I just sort of went into this basically going blind uh, big rebel wilson fan uh, the missus and i so that, that, that was an easy choice and then uh, got i don't know five minutes in i'm like man this seems familiar and then w within 10 minutes not only is it familiar but it's taking uh, a, a great liberties by using things from the original movie and and, and there's no sort of mention of like even the name of the town i think is the same name I, i'm pretty sure it sounded familiar uh it, it's basically identical to dirty rotten scoundrels but 
Okay, let me say this with the preface of I realize that nostalgia can make movies you saw in the past and love maybe higher in your regard than they would be otherwise. So, uh, I, I will say this is not nearly as good as Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it was good, uh, and there was some laughs. Uh, it's just... Uh, and this comes up on the podcast often, uh, movies that get high reviews for me are usually ones in which I don't see what's going to happen, and I'm sort of, oh, that's cool, uh, surprised either through literal surprise or the surprise of comedy. Um, but this didn't really have much of either, and none of the, the because I knew exactly what was going to happen throughout. The, there was only one part, and I said this to uh, the missus as well, one of the, the I don't know if it's my favorite scene, or just one that hit me at the age, probably. That's probably what it was. When I saw Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, there's a scene where Steve Martin is sitting at the, uh, the dinner table, and he says, uh, can I go to the washroom, please? Uh, and then he's told, yes, of course. And then he just sits there and pees his pants. <laughs> uh, they did a very similar, they, they did the same setup to that joke and just a different punchline. So, you know, at, at least they mixed it up a little bit, question mark, not really. Uh, rating wise, I go 3.7569. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Red's Institutional Meals Incorporated. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I have two uh, seasons of two separate television programs for you, which is uh, unusual, but why the hell not? This is a jam-packed episode. I don't know if I mentioned. And I, I, and I almost feel like I haven't done this in a while, where it's a movie, TV... Oh, no, I guess it's not really a book. Mm, game, internet. I even have a little conversation cleanup at the end, just, uh, you know, to give you fair warning. Should you make it past the credits, there will be more. Uh, okay, so, uh, first and foremost, eh, maybe, uh, Orange is the New Black Season 7, which is the series finale season. Uh, and I gotta say, very much enjoyed it. Uh, they did what I think all good... Uh, a season uh, final seasons should do and that's a uh, wrap up sort of most of the loose ends and you sort of find where everyone ends up uh, after their or during their <laughs> prison lives uh there, there was plenty of laughs and there was some definite sad devastating moments including a uh, red played by uh, uh kate mulgrew getting uh, Alzheimer's likely triggered by her time in solitary confinement, which is a sort of a, a scary thought that time locked alone by yourself can trigger mental things. Sure, yeah, we, I, 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 we probably, a lot of us assume that, but it can trigger things like Alzheimer's. That's a sort of a scary thought. I, it, you know, I just realized I'm saying this, <laughs> taking Orange is the New Black as, you know, fact, but uh, it, it sounds believable, okay? It has the, the ring of believability anyways. Uh, so for, for, for that reason, Orange is the New Black as a whole, I think I will go solid 3.9. Yeah, just shy of a 4, just shy of a 4. As a, the series as a whole, I liked it. It, it. It's not a comedy, necessarily, but it is. it does have interesting things. There is laughs and there is seriousness. And dark comedy, drama, um, prison life, 
silliness sometimes. You know, it's got a little bit of everything, which is uh, what life is, and so I like it. Hey, there you go. Oh, apparently I like life, which, uh, <laughs> that's surprising. Uh, next we have uh, Mr. D Season L, Season 8, which also was the series finale. Yes, uh, two series finale uh, seasons. Interesting. I didn't realize that until I just said it right now. Uh, the other reason it's interesting to put these together is because uh, Orange is the New Black, obviously, takes place in a prison. And Mr. D takes place in a school, which, when you are in school, feels like a prison. So, we got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, yeah, uh, similar to Orange is the New Black, it has that goodness of, uh, finding out where everyone ends up in their lives sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to say, they did something in this season which, uh, I guess the fact that it was the eighth season, they're running out of ideas, and they kind of wanted to go out with a bang, and I actually think it's a pretty genius idea. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, Mr. D played a teacher who... Uh, is just like an idiot, yeah. I mean, an idiot teacher, full stop, period. Um, what they did in this season was, through events, sure, uh, they made him principal of the school. <laughs> and shit just went fucking off the rails so goddamn quickly. Uh, and, and I just wanted to say how it ended. Um, so, the how, and, and I don't mean the show, I, I mean how the school ended. So this is a bit of a spoiler for the, the last sort of scene of the last episode. Uh, so he decides that he wants to, you know, put the school on the map. So he's going to bury the world's biggest time capsule. So, uh, basically he gets a giant dumpster. <laughs> and then he doesn't really have enough to fill it with. Like, each of the kids is, like, bringing, you know, like, a little note or a little a little memento. And it's not a giant school, so... Eventually they're just throwing in, like, trash and, like, desks and stuff like that. Then, uh, he didn't plan, uh, so much on the whole digging for burying this time capsule, so he had the children do it. So then it's, like, days and days of just children in a hole digging... <laughs> Uh, and then last but not least, and this is sort of the, the cherry on top of the show, is um, while the kids were digging, they sort of uh, started to dig up dead bodies. Ah, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Mr. D, Season 8, 5 out of 5. Series as a whole, jeez, I think I would go 5 out of 5. It's really, really good. I like it. Conan, the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Today's book banter sponsor is Oxford's Construction Company Limited. Yes, I have for you today uh, the third in the who knows how long it's going to go series of recaps of the Storm King's Thunder D&D sessions I'm a part of. Had one yesterday. Uh, session four was yesterday. This is the recap of session three. Uh, you can listen back if you are missing um, parts, but the gist is uh, we're playing D&D. We're playing the module Storm King's Thunder-ish, because there's been some uh, changes and additions and such. So <coughs> some of this might sound familiar if you're very familiar with that module. Uh, and I am writing from the point of view of my character, who uh, also, if you go back, you can read his backstory. So there you go. Let me hop into it. <coughs> Dearest Alternary, if I could live forever and fill your pages with all the world's knowledge, I would. 
It does not take a genius to realize that is very unlikely. So, when the inevitable happens, I want you to move on and find another. Equally dearest whoever found this book, should you wish to take up the mantle of this tome and all knowledge, all I ask is that you try to find someone who does. <clears throat> I never would have thought that clearing an entire temple of raven kobolds, kobolds would be the easy part of my day. Nine hours of what was practically manual labor has my mending cantrip working overtime is not my idea of time well spent. However, I could see the logic that an ounce of prevention now could save some trouble in the future. When we had blocked the reverse waterfall from flowing into the temple above and poisoning it with its magical addictive properties, I was exhausted. Perhaps it was the ex exhaustion of just working on a mindless task for so long, but something seemed to have clicked in my mind. I have long been contemplating an attempt to infuse the desk with a sentience in the form of a personality, and who has a stronger personality than a fairy dragon? I am fortunate that Amphixia, that's the fairy dragon, uh, has personality to spare, and together we have done something to the desk. Magic, magics like this do not always have the flashiness of a fireball, though, and take time to fully come to fruition. Uh, when we wake, it seems some of our food stores are missing, and I suspect Amphixia may have had her fill, but I do not begrudge her. On top of which, she also has given me some magic berries, so I feel she has been more than fair. A certain give and take, you could say, that of choosing whether to kill a kobold or set it free so that it can do further harm. Uh, Zena the Druid... Zena, the druid we have rescued, reluctantly agrees to travel with us back to Miller's Hill. Along the way, our party comes across six elves who have been killed and hung from the limbs of a tree. A horrific sight that upon investigating appears to have been caused by a large band of orcs that are roaming the area. Orcs that Ushul has recognized from the telltale signs of missing ears. Truly gruesome. Noctis cuts down and reverently buries the elves, where I am more of the mind that these bodies are simply empty shells. I do not begrudge those who feel differently, as they often feel it much stronger than my indifference. Uh, I imagine the Brightheart family wish they had stayed in their bright hearth, by their bright hearth. Anyway, not far from our destination, we come across a uh, family being tormented by a pair of mischievous satyr. Uh, mischievosity, which is a word in the Alshinary, uh, is one thing, but when I saw the satyr had short swords out and were gesticulating with them at the horrified children of this tra traveling family, it seemed I was not the only one who thought this was a step too far. And any being who would do that is capable of who knows what. Uh, Ushul changing into a giant brown bear may have been... May have been equally terrifying to the children, but that and Selyse rushing in clearly enraged... She's a barbarian. Is enough to drive the satyr off. A chase ensues, and at least one satyr falls... 
and I imagine the other will think twice before committing any hijinks of this evilness level. Uh, I read from the Alshinary one of my innumerable short stories I have accrued over the years, a story about a friendly bear which seems to calm the children. Although the eldest doll daughter did not seem to pay my story much attention as she apparently only has eyes for Noctis. Uh, even I, even I, who enjoy a long, informative story, had a trying time listening to the tale of the father of this family told us once the excitement died down. Uh, his story really just crushed all excitement. He and his family traveled from the hamlet of Scorton, Scorton, uh, as apparently it had been held ransom by a hill giant, a crusty-faced hill giant who is demanding food or promises village destruction and death. An ultimatum, it turns out, when we arrive back at Miller's Hill is something this giant has tried more than once. Uh, Miller's Hill is in an uproar when we arrive and the town has gathered in the Blue Duke Inn where they were discussing their best course of action. It seems a crusty-faced hill giant had come, taken the miller, Jolana, who had given us our quest to rescue the druid, and told the villagers that if they did not pay him in food, he would not only kill Jolana, but them as well, when he destroyed their village. Uh, the options being discussed seemed to be one, running, two, capitulating, three, fighting. Well, while I have often been of the mind that you can always run away to fight another day, Noctis has riled up the crowd to such a further that I will admit even I felt that, somehow, stopping this giant menace is the only course of action. Uh, with that tip, uh, with the tip that, at least according to legend, a human named Julia... Uh, I don't know, what was it? Jai Lai, the giant slayer, lives not far from the village. We decided that is our best bet for at least having something up our sleeve when the giant arrives tomorrow for this prize. Yeah, so we had to find the, the quote-unquote giant slayer. Uh, with our agreement in place to help these town folk, we headed off in search of the giant slaying assistance while the townsfolk stay behind and hopefully manage to fortify their position as much as they are able. Uh, along the way, a river crossing had me a little nervous, I will be honest, as I am not the best swimmer and tend to basically sink. Luckily, I recalled a spell my good friend Tensor taught me years ago for a disc that allowed Ushul and I to glide across with ease. I did have some regret at the crossing as it put us on the same side of the river as a small band of orcs, and if you know anything of orcs, it's that they are not very nice. Fortunately, thanks to Nadrina's skills at staying unnoticed, we all managed to get the jump on the orcs, which I think really made the difference in this battle. Perhaps the shock of seeing what the orcs are capable of in the form of the dead elves was still with us all, as we seemed to work as an explosively violent and intimidating unit. Uh, I even saw a holy smite from Noctis, which I believe was his smirth, his first, his smite virginity, if you will. And I hope you will. Uh, regardless of how we defeated the Ark Band, we did, and a sleep spell for myself meant we could intimidate, trick, uh, intimidate, slash, trick, slash, mostly just confuse the last Orc, as we let him go in the hopes he diverts the majority of the force of the area around the giant slaying we have planned. Assuming 
we can find uh, Jai Lai, <laughs> the giant slayer, of course. Perhaps she is near that ruby-hued tree? Question mark? Uh, okay, so that's the end of that recap. Uh, did we defeat the giant? I know, and I'm not going to tell you. Did we all die? Maybe. Again, I'm not telling you. You'll have to turn in next week. Mmm. Teaser. Today's game cabin sponsor is, oh, it seems it's a mobile blood donation vehicle, a.k.a. the Succubus. Hmm, interesting. Okay, game, the first, from 2018, a title called Agony. Oh, a dark fantasy survival horror. I see it says here in the Wikipedia. Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, I remember this was back when I still watched uh, PewDiePie. He uh, played this, and, and it looked pretty insane. And I like an insane game. And after playing... Yeah, it's it's got some insanity, particularly in its visuals. Um, you are in hell, a hellscape of some sort. Yeah, uh, on that note, the story, and I did air quotes that you can't see as this is a audio medium, uh, is... Is it existent? I was going to say it's non-existent, and it kind of is. Maybe it's because... It gave you the option to just play the game or play as a succubus. And uh, as you perhaps just heard, my love of D&D huh, in the previous segment means I know what a succubus is. And they're they're pretty cool. Uh, and also I played the unrated version. So there was lots of boobs. And I figured if, if, if they were going to show their boobs, I might as well show mine. So <laughs> I played a succubus. Uh, some of the abilities you have as a succubus, I, I don't know if they differ from the abilities you have if I didn't choose that uh, race to play, um, but you can, like, pick up, like, like, suck blood, uh, um, pick up, like, these weird demon babies and, like, break their necks and, like, throw them, uh, throw them on the ground, and, uh, you have some sort of psychic power that, uh, you could use at a distance, so it's sort of your, quote-unquote, ranged weapon, I guess you would say, that is powered by the hearts of those you kill, so, um, what I found worked well is uh, there's people who don't attack in this hellscape and you could just sort of go up to them and pluck their hearts out um, and then you have those hearts that you could use for these ranged attack which you could use on the, the more powerful things that actually do attack you uh, and it wasn't a hard game I, I don't think necessarily so it was more just an exploration which in a game that is as interesting to look at as this, I, I, I didn't begrudge that. The fact that you're not really doing much. You're just sort of walking around looking at things. Uh, so, so that was fine. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, I don't think I'd ever play this again. <laughs> so I'm not going to dust this off in a couple of years. But I did have some enjoyment while playing. So I'll go a, a three with some four visuals with some two boringness. Huh? How about that? For convoluted. Okay, moving on to Dishonored 2. Ah, yes. Uh, this is a play the first one, love the first one. Uh, that was quite a few years ago. Uh, I, I, 
I didn't love it enough that when Dishonored 2 came along, I jumped on it. I always said, like, this came out in 2016, I'm just saying. Uh, I, I kept seeing it, and it was always, like, full price. And even when it went on sale, it was, like, pretty expensive. Uh, so I sort of waited until it was under $20. I think I bought it in the Steam Summer Sale? Question mark? Probably. Um, but uh, so far, so good. I'm very much enjoying it, and I'm going to continue to play it. I might play it today. No, I don't think I have time to play it today. Um, you know what? I've been playing a lot of games lately, which uh, I've got a lot of stuff on the go. Podcasts not really taking to me too much, but I have a, 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 a RT D&D related uh, video YouTube thing on the go. Huh? Hints? Uh, which I'm sure we'll be talking about eventually, um, probably post episode 500, if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I think they fall around that. Maybe it's out right now. Mm, I don't know. Anyways, uh, Dishonored 2, I haven't completed it yet, but what I have played is enough to tell me I'm going to give this a solid 4, and depending on what happens going forward probably upwards of a five because uh uh all that's going to happen now is i'm going to get more abilities uh i chose to play you could play as the girl or the guy I chose to play as a guy just because it, which is sort of weird for me because 99 percent of the video games i play uh when i have the choice of choosing the character or creating a character i always uh, do it as a woman uh, the only reason I went with the guy is because I did have some uh, fond remembrances of the first game in which he was the main character, so uh, I thought it would be cool to sort of continue his story, as it were. What's his name? Corvo Atano. Hmm, yes. Indeed. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Team Sanity. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, Internet Intercourse item the first. How did this get made? The Drop Dead Fred episode. Jesus Christ. This is, uh, it's been called, and I think it was called on the episode and after the episode and to this very day, the most controversial, divisive episode of How Did This Get Made that has ever existed. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the movie, if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, let's first start off. It's a podcast in which people talk about movies. Hey, there you go. Usually bad movies. Uh, often so bad they're good movies. Sometimes just so bad they're bad movies. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. Hey, that's a movie. Which of those categories does it fall into is among the questions that <laughs> caused uh, splits in friendship and, and anger and... Just, just jealousy, perhaps, maybe somewhere in there. I don't know. There's a range of emotions were experienced during this episode. Uh, people, the here's sort of the two camps, and we'll go ahead and call them what they called them in the podcast. Team Sanity, who believed that uh, uh, Fred was a, a monster, and, and not just because of what he is. I mean, the way he acts. Uh, and that the mother of the film... Uh, had the daughter's best interest in mind, and despite her actions sometimes seeming mean, uh, 
sometimes you got to be mean in order to help people. Yeah. Uh, and then there's those who thought that uh, Team Fred uh, is sticking it to the man, I guess. Um, despite his ridiculousness and chaos uh, that he causes in this girl's life, that it's for the greater good, I guess. And that he's not a horrible person. And he is not even a person, really, technically speaking. Who knows what he is? He's, a, he's an imaginary friend? Question mark? A lot of questions around that as well. Anyways, if you've never listened... The, the, the reason I wanted to bring that, this particular thing back here is if you've never listened to How Did This Get Made? And if you've never seen Drop Dead Fred, uh, you have the perfect opportunity. This is a classic. Oh, I feel like I haven't had one of these in a while. A classic example of the uh, pity you, envy you situation. I pity you because you haven't seen uh, Drop Dead Fred. Well, I don't necessarily put it that. P I pity you because you haven't uh, listened to the podcast, How Did This Get Made? But I envy you because you get to listen to it for the first time. Ah, with fresh ears. Okay, spent too much time on that, uh, as to be expected. Moving on to Monster Factory, which I have brought back from time to time. This is from some of the McElroy brothers, formerly was found on Polygon, but now just on their channel. Uh, they did a, a Monster Factory of Star Trek Online. If you're unfamiliar with Monster Factory, what it is, they will go into video games character creation and have fun and hilariousness ensues. Okay, now... When I say hilariousness ensues, uh, it's sort of a, you know, a little throwaway line, a, li a little, you know, a little nugget of information, or it's not really much. But what I want to say about this particular one, the, the first episode, because I think there's going to be a few, of this episode of Monster Factory, Star Trek Online, I want you to go on online and, f and find it. Uh, the title is Yoba Skywalker Starwalk. Star Wars Goes to Infinity and Beyond is the title of this thing. Yeah, just type that in. Easy peasy. Anyways, I laughed harder at this than I have ever laughed at anything in my entire life. Uh, just sort of period. The, the the only put an asterisk on, perhaps, is a couple of the times when I was on mushrooms. Uh, there, there may have been mushroom-induced laughter that was harder than this. But for sure, the hardest I ever laughed sober. And I think possibly, I possibly has trumped the mushroom laughter of my past. That's how much I laugh. Uh, something happened while I was laughing where, you know, when you're laughing so hard you're crying. I, I, I get that from time to time. I've had that. I've had that at other monster factories. But while I was watching this, it was almost like something broke in my brain and like I, I started like actually crying, like, 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 like crying, not just laughter, like actually crying, like something broke in me and like it felt weird. <laughs> it was in insane. Like I, I, it was like a piece of sanity, like kind of went a little overboard. And as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and I like calmed myself down. So... Uh, you know, that's the warning I'm going to give for this Monster Factory Star Trek Online. Um, watch it with a grain of salt and have someone close by if they see your sanity slipping. Which I did not. I'm, I'm kind of glad no one, because if anyone saw how I reacted to this, they probably would have carried me off to the loony bin. Okay, uh, yeah, I spent way too much time on the first two things, so we're going to have to go through the last ones quick. Um... Chris Gethard Presents podcast. Uh, so he sits down with uh, New York-based comedians and, hey, 
what more do you need? A funny guy talking with funny people. Uh, and, and the show is sort of morphed into the fact that Chris Gethard <laughs> is trying to like uh, offload it on some of the comedians, it feels like, in, in a comedic way, uh, so that they become the hosts and sort of carry it forward. Uh, listen to every episode. Incredible funny moments. <laughs> Excuse me again. Uh, Never Not Funny with guest Scott Ackerman. Yes. I think he does the first episode of every season or the last episode of every season of Never Not Funny. And uh, I don't know if he's my favorite guest, but he's definitely maybe my favorite guest. Uh, just because I have such an affinity for his brand of uh, comedy sense of humor stylings. Hmm. So I uh, recommend that very highly. Uh, last but not least, uh, Andy Kindler's 2019 State of the Industry Address. Uh, this is, you know what, you got another classic uh, NV pity situation. If you've never seen a Andy Kindler's State of the Industry ad Address, uh, it's been going on for many, many years. I watched all of the ones that are available uh, a couple years back, and now I, I don't miss it every year. Uh, basically... I think it's always at Just for Laughs that he does it, where he talks of the state of the industry. The industry in question is comedy, stand-up comedy, and things comedy, things in the comedy world. Uh, and he'll really let people have it. <laughs> Andy Kindler is... Uh, quietly, sure, uh, one of the funniest people just ever, naturally funny, um, and his podcast, Test Show, uh, is incredible. Him and Jay Elvis Weinstein, ooh, did I get that right, with no notes? Wow, that'd be impressive. I'm, I'm bad at names, so if I got that right, uh, uh, they're together on that podcast, and they sort of jointly wrote this speech. Uh, and, and it was good. I, I think last year's or other years I've seen was better. Um, but one of the interesting things about that is that they spoke of it on the podcast that they also sort of thought, uh, at least I sort of got the impression that they thought things could have been done differently that would have potentially made it better, just in terms of organization. Uh, that's incredible as well to hear what went into this speech and sort of the thought processes behind that. So, I, you know, throw that in for a little uh, cherry on top. Uh, listen to the state of the industry and then listen to the podcast, Test Show. Uh, another just sort of cool Andy Kindler thing is uh, he and I have had a couple of uh, Twitter back and forth. So uh, uh, thank you for that. Very, very nice to respond to my uh, dumb comments with dumb comments of your own. Hey, I appreciate it. You know what? It's the perfect way to end the show because as we end the show every time, we say... Something that fits that very scenario, which is, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean... But you can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine?
You've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper. Yes, as I hinted at, or rather outright said, a little bit of a conversation cleanup for you today. What it is, is, oh, a double is, uh, is the fact that uh, I, I, I had a third television show that I wanted to talk about, but it uh, didn't really fit the theme of prison school series finale I had going in that television talk. So, because, uh, and this is actually a mini-series as well. Uh, so a, a third reason, an Andy Kinder, Kindler style third reason that it didn't fit in the television talk, and that is of course talking uh, Chernobyl. Mm, yes, the HBO miniseries. Oh, I should say that this cleanup conversation is of course sponsored by non-graphite tipped nuclear control rods. Well, that's that's a strange coincidence. Uh, uh, yeah, friggin' love this. Um, always been fascinated with Chernobyl. Um, I, I don't know if you would say I have studied it, but uh, have studied it, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, I watch lots of things about it, read things about it. There was a cool uh, Wired article about it a couple years back where it spoke that animals are returning to some of the areas around there, which is sort of fascinating to think that there's, you know, partially radioactive wolves in, in and around Chernobyl. Uh, not too close, of course, because you get too close still to this day, and for many, many, many years to come, it will kill you. Um, yeah, so if you've ever had any interest of the events surrounding Chernobyl, uh, how close this follows the actual what happened IRL, uh, who can say necessarily, but... Uh, it has a very strong air of believability, at the very least. Um, fascinating the levels of drama uh, that can happen in a real-life situation that are just sort of... Uh, they were able to uh, exfoliate. No, that's not the word. Uh, extrapolate? Sure, that's a better word. Um, entropy. That's just an interesting word. Oh, boy. Uh, sometimes these conversation cleanups are very dirty, like this one. Hmm. Uh, regardless, Chernobyl, easy, easy for me to give five out of five. Uh, the missus also uh, probably would go high mark, although I forgot to ask her what she said. Folks, we did it again. Nice, be nice, be nice. 